You may have noticed that the, the slide earlier talking about the prayer vigil mentioned that we were having our opening service tonight, and actually that was last week. So I don't want you to come this afternoon at 4.30 and wonder where everyone else is. We're not going to be there. But I do encourage you to, uh, if you haven't yet had a chance to, to, to spend some time in the place of prayer, that you would I encourage you to do that. Father, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We find in Genesis chapter 3, as it talks about sin entering the world, that one of the consequences of that is that the world is now under a crushing burden. Life is no longer the way that God created it. Now there is weight and there is burden and there is, is crushing struggle for all of creation, but particularly for human beings. And after all of these years, and when you live your life long enough, you begin to think that that is just simply the way it is. We live in a world of people who, who have, we've simply come to the place where we believe and think that's just the way life is. Life is a crushing burden. Life will, can never be any, any much different from that. But the gospel tells us, and the coming of Jesus tells us, and the promise of Jesus tells us, that actually in our journey with him, there can be a life of joy and not a crushing burden. And I see that at work, and I see that clearly in, in this incident that, that John records for us in the fifth chapter of his gospel. As the story unfolds, we find that, that there is a man there who has, who has been paralyzed for 38 years. He, the, John says, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. And crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Jesus sees this man, and for 38 years he has lived under the burden and the struggle of what life has, has dealt him. We don't know why he's paralyzed. We don't, know, we don't know when it started, if he was born this way or if something happened. But for 38 years, he's lived with this. And we realize the reality that life is a burden and a struggle. And you and I live with similar struggles. It might be a physical burden. Sometimes it's an emotional burden. Sometimes it's a relational burden. Sometimes it just feels like life is a vice that is continually pushing us. Or it feels like this weight is pouring down upon us and we simply cannot get up under, out from under it. I think it wouldn't be hard for any of us to take a moment and, and resonate with, with some kind of burden of struggle, of weight, like this man described here. And when I read this story, and I think about road signs on our journey with Jesus, the road sign that comes to mind is a way station. Now, way stations are not near as prevalent as they used to be. 
I remember as a, as a child traveling on roads, particularly interstates, but other roads as well, and you would often see way station signs and a lineup of trucks on them. You don't see them quite as much. They have other ways in which they weigh trucks. But, but the way station is, is, a, is intended to make sure that, that trucks and trailers and the larger vehicles that travel on our highways are carrying, are not overweight. That they are carrying the right weight. And the reason for that is that if, you, if the trucks carry too much weight, it can damage the truck it can damage the roads, and it can also cause injury and, and worse to drivers and others who are on the road. It often doesn't happen in, in, in so there's a, there's a heavy uh, one trip and one vehicle takes a, too much weight. It doesn't usually happen the first time, but over a period of time if that continues, the truck become, begins to to be compromised, and the roads get compromised until damage and destruction takes place. And the point of a way station is to address that. Now, you and I in our lives, we are always looking for solutions to the, to the weight that we feel and the burdens that we feel and the struggles that we feel. And one of the things that we have a tendency to do is simply adjust if, if the weight is here, then I'm going to find a way to live my life with that weight, and, and I'll just deal with it. It's like, you know, sometimes I, I deal with back pain, and if the back pain is on my right side, I begin to compensate for that. And so, the, but the, what's interesting is that when I go to the chiropractor eventually, uh, he says to me, well, you have this weight, this problem here that was the original problem, but because of all the time you spent compensating for it, now you've got a problem over here as well. And what we end up doing is just making it worse. And often our solution is to escape from it. We think if we could just get out of it, if we could just get away from it, then everything would be fine. I read about a group of people who were taking a a 24-day trip down the Colorado River. They put their, their canoes into the river on March 1st of 2020. And they pulled their canoes out of that river for the last time on March 24th, 2020. And for those 24 days, they had absolutely no access to the world. Cell phones, the news, anything. It was a very different world when they went in from when they came out. And they, when they came out, people started, they, they looked around and people were wearing masks. And people weren't close to each other. And they looked around like, what in the world is happening here? And one woman said, you know, you, there's always a little bit of culture shock when you're away from civilization for two and a half, three and a half weeks. But this was like a sci-fi movie. And I suspect that after they figured out what was going on, their response probably was, you know what, let's get back in the canoes and go back to the river. <laughs> right? I mean, don't we all even now want to just say, I just want to escape this. I want to find a place where this isn't real. I want to find a place where I can get away from it. I mean, that's what we do with life, right? I mean, we want to escape, and we think if we can just get away, if we can just do this, if we can just do that, then we can be free from burdens and struggles. But the reality is, 
a way station is not, intent, is not there so that they make sure trucks travel empty. Because what good would that do? It would completely shut down most of our transportation and, and moving things from one place to another. The point is not that they want trucks to be empty. The point is they want trucks to carry the right weight. And I'm convinced that, that God is not saying to us, I want you to have no weight. He's saying, I want you to have the right weight. Think back to the, to the creation story. In Genesis 1 and 2, God says to Adam and Eve, I have something for you to do. It says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. God doesn't say to them, all right, here's the perfect environment. You guys just lay back, you know, find a nice, nice hill to lay on, get some sun, take it easy. You know, that's, that's what... That's what I created you for. No. He created them for responsibility, to get things accomplished, to see things done, because there is great joy and fulfillment in accomplishing things, in carrying out tasks. There, we, I don't think it's the life we think it is to say, I wake up every morning and I have absolutely no responsibilities, nothing to do. Even when we don't have a job to go to, we find things that we want to accomplish, find things that we want to do because there's fulfillment in that, because God created us that way. And the answer to the burdens of life are not to take to have no burdens, it's to have the right burden, the right amount of burden. And when I think about that, my mind automatically goes to Matthew chapter 11. And at the end of that chapter, Jesus says to his disciples, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now you notice he doesn't say, I'm going to take all the yoke off of you. He doesn't say, I'm going to take all the burden off of you. He says, I'm going to give you my burden, my yoke. Paul Brand talks in one of his books about uh, the way yokes are made for oxen and animals that, that plow fields. He said, you, you can't just put a flat yoke on them, a flat piece of wood. It will create sores on the shoulders of the animals, and eventually it will harm them severely. And what they have to do is they have to fashion a yoke that fits perfectly on them. And then it works. And, and, it, and it distributes the burden as it's supposed to and the weight as it's supposed to. And they can do the work they're supposed to do. And I think that's what Jesus does for us. You know, one of our struggles about thinking about the yoke of Jesus on us is that we want our yoke to be other, the yoke that other people have to bear and their yoke to be ours. There's something in us that says, well, I, I have this weight from Jesus. This is what Jesus is asking of me. And if he's asking of me, then he needs to ask it of everyone. But that's not necessarily the way Jesus works. Because what is best for you is not necessarily best for me. And what's best for me is not necessarily best for you. 
What we know is Jesus says, whatever yoke I put on you, whatever burden I give you is the right one. It matches your gifts. It matches your abilities. It matches, matches your experiences in life. It matches all the things that you are. This is what I'm giving you. Because you have been created to, be, to, to accomplish things and to be fruitful and to multiply and to steward what God has given you. And I can give you exactly what you need. If you think about the truck metaphor of the way station, it's as if Jesus is loading the truck for us and he knows exactly how much to put on and exactly where to put it to distribute the weight so that the journey is exactly what it's supposed to be. And all the while, he's fighting with us because we keep packing more on. And I think that's where the, we think about the way station. I think the way station symbolizes the places and the times in our lives when God gets our attention. And sometimes that's through the spiritual disciplines, through the means of grace, that we read the scripture and prayer and fasting and public worship and, and, and works of mercy. All of these, these things that, that God has given us, these are things in which God reminds us that, that what he has for us is good reminds us that we, we need to carry his weight and not all the weight that we and others put on us. But we struggle with that. And part of the reason we struggle with that is because other people are continually adding to the weight and the burden and the yoke that Jesus puts on us. J.D. Walt says that if you think about it, there might have been the, the, there might have been different headlines to, to this story in John 5. The gang around the pool, their headline for the story they would have written might have been, um, Bro finally wins the lottery after 38 years of trying. And the, the Galilean Gazette might have said, Miracle worker heals, heals a beggar after 38 years of, of paralyzation. He says, but the Jerusalem Journal might have said something like this, Sabbath breaker identified as notorious Bethesda beggar. Because right after Jesus heals him, they come face to face with the Pharisees. And it says in verses 9 to 10 that instantly the man was healed and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And there's that ominous tone again. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. And right away you see what happens. After Jesus takes all the excess weight off of this man and frees him and gives him just the right burden, what happens? The religious people say, no, nah, you're not carrying enough weight. And they keep putting more on. And the church has a history of doing that to each other. We keep doing that over and over again to each other. Now, granted, the Sabbath is important, and the religious leaders are, are right to take the Sabbath seriously. It is important, but they have lost the whole perspective of it. As Jesus says in another place, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And so you go on, and you see this comparison here where in verses 11 and 12 it says, But, but the man replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. And they said, 
Well, who said such a thing as that? Who told you you could pick up your mat and walk? At this point, the guy doesn't know. But he says that. Who told you you could do that? You can't do that. We didn't tell you you could do that. And in Matthew 23, 4, Jesus says they crush people. Speaking of the religious leaders, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. And unfortunately, we can do that to each other. When Jesus is freeing us from the burden, we keep adding more burden. We keep putting more on. We add guilt and shame, and we say, look, you're not doing enough. You're not progressing enough. You're not, you're not accomplishing enough. You're not going fast enough. And we put more burden on each other than Jesus puts on us. And that's why we need way stations to step back and to give Jesus an opportunity, give the scriptures and prayer and all the ways other people to say to us, no, that's wrong. And you need to free, know the freedom of being released from that. It's like the guy who was, was in a trial, was on trial, and about three days into the trial, he said to the, stood up and said to the judge, I'd like to change my plea from innocent to guilty. And the judge was upset, and he said, wait, we've in this thing three, why didn't you tell us that three days ago? If you were guilty, why did you say it right at the beginning? He said, well, when I started, I thought I was innocent, but after hearing all the evidence against me, now I think I'm guilty. And I think we do that to each other. Jesus proclaims us free, and he proclaims us innocent. And, and sometimes we keep telling each other, no, that's not good enough. And we keep packing more weight into each other's trucks. But that's not the gospel. And the problem with that is that, it's that it, it creates a, a, a skewed view of God because we think God is telling us that we need more weight. We think God is saying to us, you got to go faster, you got to accomplish more. I'm, I'm, you know, God's not going to love us if we don't do more and more and more and more. And we create this false image of who God is and what God desires for us. You know, part of the story that isn't included in a lot of manuscripts, he talks about, you know, when the water is stirred, then I, I'm not, I can't get into the water soon enough. And there's, in a lot of translations, there's a section there in verses 3 to 4 that's left out. And it talks about how they believed that an angel came every so often and stirred the waters, and the first person to get in would be healed. And, and I don't know why that was left out of some of the stories. It doesn't sound very godlike, and so I'm assuming that might be the case, but the and, and I, I, I find it hard to believe that that would be exactly what God would do. But they seem to believe that it's true. And what is that saying? That, that God is pretty stingy with his grace. And you have to believe that this guy in the back of his mind is thinking, man, you know, God only lets one of us be healed every so often if we just get it just right. And so often that's our view of God. That's what I love about Isaiah chapter 40. You know, because it's set in the context of, of who is Yahweh. Because Israel thinks so often that Yahweh looks a lot more like Pharaoh and his demands than he does the picture that Yahweh has given them of who he is. And you come to Isaiah 40, and in Isaiah 40, God says to them, Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? 
Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And then he says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's who God is. God is not the one who puts excessive burdens on us. He's the one who frees us from the excessive burdens. God is not the one who says you have to do more, faster. We're the ones who say that. The evil one's the one whispering that in our ears, not God. God is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when you are worn out and you don't think you can go another step, I will give you strength. This is who I am. And it's imperative in this story for him to understand who God is, who Jesus is. And that's why this story is not complete until the man knows who Jesus is. And so you come to verse 14, and it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Jesus found him in the temple. And he said, look, you've been healed, but there's something outside that's important. But there's also another part of your healing that you need to experience, and that, is, and that is your relationship with God. Because the gospel's holistic. And Jesus says, you need to know who healed you. Because the point of this is not just that he was healed, but that it was Jesus who did the healing. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul writes about how we are to run the race. Everybody runs, but one person gets the prize, so run to get the prize. And J.D. Walt says we often get that confused. We think the prize is some destination down the end. And so what, if that's the case, what, are we, what is this telling us? You need to run faster, longer, stronger, more. You got to go, go, go. More weight, more weight, more weight. But he says, actually, in the context of what, what Paul's talking about, the prize is not a destination. The prize is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. And what a difference that makes. Because when we're running our race, if we're trying to get to a destination, then we're trying to get there in our own power and, and in the fastest way we possibly can, and the stress and the pressure is just continually mounting. But when the prize is Jesus, it's the, the point of the journey is walking with Jesus. We go at his pace. We go the way he leads us. Because our focus is not on something down there. Our focus is on Jesus right here. He's with us. That is so imperative for our weight. Coming off of us and the right weight of Jesus being placed on us. I'm intrigued as you read the scriptures, the kind of questions Jesus asks people. Sometimes you think, huh, 
Why would he ask that? Last Thursday night when we were here at the contemplative service, we talked about blind Bartimaeus, and it struck me that Jesus loves to ask questions that seem obvious. He asks this man who is blind, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And I can almost hear Bartimaeus saying, um, I'd like to see. And here in this, again, this incident, Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed? What kind of question is that? Of course he would want to be healed, right? Does he? Because to be healed means that he has to that he now take responsibility for his life. He has to, to realize that, that now there are things that God is going to lead him to do. His life is going to be very different. And there is something in us that sometimes wants to settle for the comfortable life, even though it's a life of paralyzation. And to take the risk of trusting God for the freedom that he promises us. The call of the gospel is not heal, our, heal yourself, take the weight off yourself. The call of the gospel is do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free from the burden? And the question Jesus really is asking this man and the question he's asking us is do you want God to do in you and for you what he desires to do? That's the question that faces every one of us this morning. I have no idea what burden you may be feeling today. I have no idea what weight you may be carrying today. But I do know that Jesus is asking every one of us, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Do you want to live with my yoke that is just right for you? And find freedom in the journey and joy in the journey with him. Father, give us grace to hear your call, to see you, and to trust you. Father, let us know the freedom and the joy of life in you through Christ. Amen.